Well, good afternoon, everyone. It is uh, Monday, President's Day afternoon, February the 16th. I'm Bruce Hooley. Welcome to the We Tackle Life podcast. Nice to have you along today. And uh, yeah, I slept in. I'm taking advantage of the day off from work. Normally, I would be in my studio at 98.9 The Answer on the north side of Columbus, and I would be preparing for my show from 5 to 7. This would already be in your hands or in your ears or however you receive the We Tackle Life podcast, but today was a fun day just with a little bit of snow on the ground and more expected to just uh, relax. Redid the office a little bit, moved the hemisphere sign, moved a couple things around, and I... uh, kind of reconfigured my office outside of camera view that you can't see to make it a little bit more, what's the big word they use in uh, business? Ergonomic. It's also functional. So I do realize that I have neglected to do one thing that I need to do in order for this podcast to be usable uh, as uh, video snippets and things like that. And that is plug in a cord into the camera that I'm filming this with so that the audio and my uh, video will match up. Otherwise, if I put this on Instagram or I put it on YouTube, it looks a lot like a bad Japanese subtitled film. Maybe those of you who are under 40 won't remember that, and it's uh, probably those of you who are under 40 will go, hmm, that's racist. No, it's not racist. It's just a reality that films from Japan that used to be subtitled in English were uh, the, the audio and the uh, mouth movements of the actors didn't match up. So in order to prevent that, I'm going to jump off camera for one second, and I'm going to uh, plug that cord in. Shouldn't take me very long, but if you will indulge me, I would appreciate it. Now, I don't know if you can hear me. So why don't I just wait? And now that is done, I'll put my headphones back on. Sorry for the uh, delay. Okay. So today, I mean, how many hours do you want me to talk about Ohio State beating Indiana in basketball? Those of you who have followed my radio career know that I have the best way for me to be identifiable with you on this is to equate my disdain for Indiana basketball to most Ohio State fans' disdain for Michigan football. I don't share most people's disdain for Michigan football. I understand their rival. My knowledge of Michigan is personal knowledge, which is that the people at Michigan have always treated me great. And um, YouTube trying to cut in on the podcast there. Sorry for that extraneous audio. No, they always treated me great. Lloyd Carr treated me great. Uh Bo treated me great. Gary Moeller treated me fine. Uh, so I don't have that hatred of Michigan football. And uh, but I, and it's not really because Indiana basketball didn't treat me well. It's because as a kid, I was a bigger Ohio State basketball fan than football fan. I just like basketball better than football. And Indiana was the Michigan to the basketball program. Indiana was the program that always stood in the way of the basketball program, and specifically one person at Indiana, Ohio's own Bob Knight. And I was operating under the belief, some would say delusion, some would say uh, correct impression, that Indiana was advantaged by Big Ten officials, intimidated by Bob Knight. 
And so uh, every bit of suffering that Indiana basketball endures is something that I struggle to have compassion for because they had uh, their way in the Big Ten Conference throughout the 70s and 80s. And so now, let's let the Buckeyes have a turn. And it is delicious to me that Chris Holtman, after being hired in the same hiring season, but after Archie Miller was hired in Indiana, is now 6-1 and one against Archie Miller and the Indiana Hoosiers. Now, I'm not Catholic, but it is time for me to confess. Yes, if Father Spielman were here, I would ask for absolution on the actual true fact that in the hiring season when Thad Mata remained Ohio State's basketball coach at a time when Thad was physically unable to do all the things he once did with energy and ardor and enthusiasm, recruiting, coaching, Thad was forced from the profession by a botched back surgery at Ohio State that left him physically half the guy he used to be. He used to be extremely active, and I remember one year at the Final Four in St. Louis when Illinois lost to North Carolina the Monday of that game. The new Bush Stadium was under construction in downtown St. Louis, and I'm taking a walk in downtown St. Louis, and who do I see double-timing it out on a run? None other than Thad Mata. Uh, Thad stayed uh, desiring to be active after his foot ceased to function like it used to function after his botched back surgery, nerve damage in his foot. He did elliptical. He he tried everything to keep up. But, you know, he coached from a stool, and you could just tell Thad was in miserable, miserable pain. So I always will chalk up. 80% of Thad's diminished success at the end of his career to his physical limitations rather than to him. Coaches don't get dumb. They don't forget how to coach. They don't forget who to recruit. It's just you don't have the energy, the stamina, the physical ability to do what you used to do. And that's what, in my opinion, was 80% of the issue with Thad's program at the end. Undeniably, their success dropped off, and undeniably, a change needed to be made. And undeniably, in my opinion, Gene Smith waited too long after the loss to Rutgers in the Big Ten tournament in 2018 to make that change. He needed to impress upon Thad the necessity of having it be Thad's decision because Thad earned that with his enormous success as Ohio State's basketball coach, winning as coach of all time, five Big Ten titles, four tournament titles, two Final Fours, a runner-up finish. I mean, phenomenal job by Thad Mata, but it was time for a new coach. And Archie Miller was sitting there, having taken Dayton to four straight NCAA tournaments, having taken him to the Elite Eight, having assisted under Thad. It was a, it was a slam dunk. It was one phone call. Archie's the next coach. And you can't hire him until Thad's gone. And Gene just waited and waited and waited and waited. And Thad stuck around, and Tom Crean got fired, and Indiana jumped on Archie Miller. And so I was not happy about it. And I put a Twitter poll up Saturday when – Indiana hired Archie Miller, and Ohio State waited two more months before parting ways with Thad and having Chris Holtman, thankfully, be the choice over Greg McDermott. Were you upset that Ohio State ended up with Chris Holtman and Indiana got Archie Miller? And 58% of you were extremely honest and said yes, because I know it was more than that. 
Because I was one of them. Because, you know, I didn't know Chris Holtman like I knew Archie Miller. Holtman coached at Butler. Archie Miller coached 60 miles away. Holtman didn't beat Ohio State out of the NCAA tournament. Archie Miller did. And so, you know, I didn't follow Butler. I followed Dayton. I was jealous of Dayton. Dayton was winning at a level that I wanted to win at. So, yes, I wanted Archie Miller. And I thought he'd have been a slam dunk. And you know what? He might have been. I don't know. But I know this. Chris Holtman is a slam dunk. This year I've written several times that the reason Ohio State wins at Illinois, at Wisconsin, at Iowa, is because, sure, they got balance. Sure, players play well, follow the game plan, on and on and on. They win the games because of the guy pressing the buttons. They win the games because of Chris Holtman. He's a phenomenal scouter of opponents. He sees things in players when he's recruiting them that other coaches either don't see or don't value. He also has, I think, a very unique ability to see a basketball team in a wider lens than a lot of coaches do. I think a lot of coaches see a basketball team as a recipe that you put together based upon the very best ingredients you can find. For instance, let's say you have a a recipe for an apple pie and it calls for flour. Well, if flour can be purchased for, I'm just guessing off the top of my head here for illustrative purposes. If flour can be purchased for $3 a pound, most coaches have the Calipari, Krzyzewski, Izzo mentality that, you know, if I can get a five-star flour, that's better than a three-star flower. Chris Holtman has the unique ability to understand that a three-star flower may go better with a four-star egg than a five-star flower. You know what I'm saying? Chris Holtman talks about roster construction. I have qualities I need for my team. This guy can bring me this quality. This guy can bring me this quality. This guy will fit. They will mesh. They will go together, and the product will be phenomenal. I think a lot of coaches get five-star, five-star, four-star, four-star, five, four, four. And then it's like, all right, how are we going to fit these guys together? A lot of times that works. A lot of times it works. A lot of times it doesn't work. And when it doesn't work, it's disastrous. Well, Ohio State would have been in the NCAA tournament last year. They're going to be in the NCAA tournament this year. The way Chris Holtman does it, it's an NCAA tournament recipe every year. Now, Archie Miller still looking to get his team in the NCAA tournament. Would they have been in last year? A lot of people say yes. I don't know that that's 100% sure. 65-70. They finished 9-11 and in the Big Ten. You know, eh, that's not automatic. Yeah, we're easy taking it easy on Selection Sunday. So Chris Holtman is the far superior coach. Far superior coach. And is it easier to coach at Ohio State than it is in Indiana? Less expectations. Chris Holtman could have a year like Archie Miller has had, and nobody's going to be shouting about firing Chris Holtman. Archie Miller better get his team in a tournament this year, or he better hope his athletic director understands that this is a weird year to coach basketball and that perhaps it's not a good representation of what Archie Miller can do. I would not fire Archie Miller. I would not. But if Indiana does, 
okay, like have at it because he's gone out and he's recruited like three five-star guys in his time there. Romeo Langford, like really Romeo Langford? Romeo Langford got more out of being able to make layups as a high school player than perhaps any player in history of basketball. And the Boston Celtics drafted him in the first round. And honestly, I sit here, I have no idea whether Romeo Langford is still in the NBA, starting and averaging 20 in the NBA, or whatever. But this I will stand on without any fear of contradiction. He had no business being a first-round NBA draft pick based upon his college performance. He was picked upon potential. And he was a colossal bust at Indiana. And Trace Jackson Davis had a nice game Saturday. He didn't get engaged until Ohio State had a very big lead. So I don't know what's going on with Indiana. I think Archie Miller grinds on guys and it demands they be dive-on-floor guys and all that. You can find five-star guys to do that. You can't find every five-star guy to do that. It's not great, even though Jerome Hunter has played very well lately, the Pickerington uh, product, hit a game-clinching three-pointer at Northwestern. Played very well for a while against Ohio State on Saturday until he lost his cool and fouled and got a technical foul, and then he had four fouls, and he really wasn't much of a factor after that. But Jerome Hunter got sat down for a couple games recently because Archie Miller said, right now he can't help us. Well, mm, I have seen Jerome Hunter play enough to know that Jerome Hunter can help you any night. Does that mean his attitude wasn't right? Obviously, in the case of Archie Miller, it was not. Chris Holtman's dealt with some of that. He sat, was it Dwayne Washington and Luther Muhammad last year against Nebraska? DJ Carton, Alonzo Gaffney. Holman's program's not been drama-free. When you coach at Indiana, that's like, oh, no, the world, the sky is falling. Because Indiana basketball is at the level at Indiana that football is at Ohio State in terms of expectations and interest. So I think it's easier to coach at Ohio State. But it's not impossible to coach at Indiana. And Archie Miller's not doing a great job. He has not done a great job. Chris Holtman's done a phenomenal job at Ohio State. Now, let me remind you that Hemisphere Coffee Roasters, uh, they are getting ready to debut a new flavor. I'm not going to tell you what the flavor is because you'll be pounding down their door virtually to order it. I'm just telling you, it's so cool to me. I went out to Hemisphere late last week. And by the way, I want to thank them. They donated a prize, a, a Hemisphere Coffee gift pack to my wife's uh, golf team at the high school she coaches. And that will be available on a virtual auction. I will put that link on uh, the website and I will put that link. Uh, I'll send it out in an, a mass email. If, you have, uh, if you're on the Spielman and Hooley, former Spielman and Hooley, now We Tackle Life podcast list, um, uh, you'll be getting that email. If you want to be on our list, email us, we tackle life at gmail.com, and then you'll get that. So, uh, but Hemisphere are really cool people. Anyway, I'm talking to Paul, and he's like, hey, here's something I'm trying, and here's how I do it, and all this stuff. And I thought, this is the same kind of attitude that great teams need. Great teams hunger to get better, great teams don't rest on their laurels. They're very successful at Hemisphere, buying their coffee direct from growers around the world, Indonesia, Nicaragua, Thailand, other countries. The growers benefit and they benefit. But to 
not rest on their laurels and ah, our hunter's blend is great and our house blend is great and our this is great and that java blues and la 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 uh, jamaica me crazy they're all fantastic let's just stick with that he hungers to get better and he's pioneering like new flavors and you're gonna love this new flavor that they came up with trust me and it's really cool how they do it and the investment of time to do it it's not like it's quick and easy it's like it takes some doing so order from Hemisphere, continue to order from Hemisphere. Tell them you're a Wheel Tackle Life podcast listener because the repeat business justifies their business decision to continue to advertise on the podcast. And yes, I would like for them to continue to advertise on the podcast and on my radio show. They've been very good to support me. I believe so strongly in what they do, how they do it, and the kind of people that they are. I took my wife out last week. She's like, I see why you love these guys so much. Yes, they're great people. And I love doing business, and I only do business with great people. So, HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. Use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps, and you will get 15% off your order. Okay. So, as for Saturday's game, I still think Ohio State has a weakness. It's not the inside game, although that will be the primary problem this upcoming Sunday against Michigan. Holy cow, watch Michigan against Wisconsin on Sunday. And uh, Wisconsin is out like 14, 10 at half. Michigan hadn't played in 23 days. Michigan is really good. And I hate saying that because I do not like Juwan Howard. I got the rash left from 1992. It's a 28-year-old rash on the Fab Five because it scalds me to no end that they cheated Ohio State out of a Final Four berth. In, I'm sorry, it's 1990, yeah, 1992. 1992, while Ed Martin's paying Chris Weber and assorted other Michigan players, uh, they beat us in the regional finals in Lexington. And um, I'll never forget Juwan Howard screaming, we shocked the world, we shocked the world. Okay, I get it. You're 18. You're allowed to be happy. I understand. I just don't like it. And I don't like it that you were on a team full of cheaters. And I was hoping you'd fail miserably at Michigan because I thought John Beeline was a phenomenal coach. And he's, Howard, benefited from Beeline holdovers, but he's also recruited pretty well. And holy smokes, are they big. Jeepers, creepers, are they big. Uh, This Dickinson kid, this freshman, and they got this beast of a center, fifth-year guy. And they got Wagner's little brother, and little is figurative, not literal, because he's a 6'10 wing, shoots threes, livers is a good shooter. So Michigan then played 23 days in Wisconsin, which is, I don't like Wisconsin, because they're just a bunch of limited talent, grab, clutch, and hold guys. And Matt Davison for Wisconsin is in the conversation for players who might, so I'm qualifying it, Bucky, who might throw the wanton elbow from time to time. Matt Davison, if you followed him with a hawk's eye on every telecast and broadcast, you would find that he's committing about eight or nine fouls away from the ball. And he got Michigan going on their comeback because he elbowed a kid in the face while going up for a shot. I don't know if it was accidental or not. If it was somebody else, I wouldn't really call much question to it. But since it's Matt Davison, who I've seen do that before, I was like, okay, you know, you kind of, you reap what you sow. You reap later than you sow, more than you sow. 
but exactly what you sow. And so there you go. Hey, that was a little rhyme there. Quite <laughs> organic, quite silly. Anyway, um, yeah, so Michigan, they're going to be a load for Ohio State. And it's not like Ohio State doesn't have a challenge before that. they got to go to Penn State Thursday. Penn State's got to feel like they gave the game away in Columbus. But here's the challenge of playing Ohio State. When you play Ohio State, and this was my story Saturday on PressProsMagazine.com, you can only cover so many guys in a scouting report and have your team take you seriously. Watch out for E.J. Liddell. Watch out for Dwayne Washington. Watch out for Justin Arns on the perimeter. Oh, yeah, by the way, watch out for Justice Suing driving to the basket. Oh, and Kyle Young, don't leave him one-on-one in the low post. And uh, 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 C.J. Walker, he can hit the occasional three. And uh, and Suing, he can hit the occasional three. Pretty soon your players are like, okay, not everybody's an All-American coach. Like, give me the two or three guys we got to stop. And you might stop those guys. And Indiana stopped those guys at the juncture of the game where Ohio State put them away. Because it was a suing three from the key where you're going, oh, in fact, I even said it out loud. Steve ha- Steve Hellwagon will vouch. Birthday boy Steve Hellwagon Saturday will vouch. Suing lets that three go from the key. And I went, that's not a great shot. Boom, he hit it. They come down next possession. Shot clock expiring. They got nothing. C.J. Walker's over by the Ohio State bench. Two seconds on a shot clock. He launches. I didn't think he'd get a shot off. He was covered that close. Got the shot off. Bam, hit it. That is that is a baseball bat to the stomach of a team like Indiana that's fought its way back to four. Then Zed Key scores, and then, you know, this guy scores, and that guy scores, and this guy scores, and that guy scores. And pretty soon, it's like a 27-10 to 10 Ohio State run, and they're up 20-plus, and Dwayne Washington has scored one basket, and E.J. Liddell has scored a free throw. And Justin Arns did not score until the very end of the run when it was a game was out of reach. And that is what Ohio State will do to you, is that you can have everybody covered. And it makes no difference because they just find ways. Eugene Brown against UCLA, right? It was Justin Arns before he was 50% from three-point arc Justin Arns against Northwestern. It's been Zed Key and Michi Johnson in the first half at Iowa. So everywhere you, it's like beating them is like playing whack-a-mole. We got E.J. Liddell. We got Dwayne Washington. Oh, wait, there's Kyle Young. Oh, wait, there's, it's whack-a-mole every time you play them. Now they'll have a game where nobody performs. I understand that. And this might be an 0-2 week. But they have a really good attitude. They have really good buy-in. They keep talking about that. They have an excellent culture. Here's a little inside info for you. Saturday, Arns is one for four against Indiana from three. He's been tossing in an average of three a game ever since he got into the starting lineup when C.J. Walker got hurt. So the game ends, and they win the game, and they win the game big, and, you know, whatever. Great Saturday. It's an early game. The guy's got the rest of the day off, and, you know. And out comes Justin Arns. We're all sitting there writing our stories, and out comes Justin Arns. And he shoots, and he shoots, and he shoots, and he shoots some more. And he shot for, like, more than a half an hour from three-point range and free throws because that's pretty much what he's going to shoot in a game, free throws and three-pointers. And at one point, he was, let's see, he made his first uh, – I was watching him at the end of his workout. So he's got a good sweat going. He hit six in a row from three. Then he missed one. Then he hit nine in a row. So now he's 
15 of 16. Then he missed one. Then he hit four more in a row. So it was like 19 of 21. That's pretty impressive. Not just because 19 of 21 from three is impressive, but because he's done. Game's over. Hayes in a barn, as they say in Versailles, Ohio, where he's from and where I'm from. Not Versailles, but West Liberty, where they'd say that too. So that's what I love about this team is they seem to be enjoying each other and enjoying their roles. All right. Today starts a second option for you to get new health insurance. Joe Biden executive order, I don't know what number it was, among 52 and climbing. Uh, but it reopens open enrollment. He wants more people to sign up for health insurance individually at healthcare.gov. But you don't know how to navigate the website. And you don't know what everything means. And it's like it's easier to not do anything than to do something, right? No, not really. Not anymore. Not with auiinfo.com. Chrissy and her staff can answer all the questions for you on a chat on a Zoom, on the phone, in person, however you want to do it. But the open enrollment period is really for you to take a good hard look at your benefits, your doctor, your hospital, your copay, the things you need, things you don't need, all those things. Now, businesses can always change, and if you're in business for yourself, you can always change. So I think it's next month and a half you've got an opportunity. Don't waste it. I'm one of those procrastinators. I'd put a note to myself to do something like that at the end of the year and I'd get on the bottom of a pile because other things would get on top, but I'd never do it. So don't be that person. Don't be me. <laughs> uh, go to auiinfo.com, auiinfo.com, and get that taken care of right here on the cusp of the beginning of health insurance. All right, let me uh, take a swig here, and then I'll talk about Urban Meyer and his experience with cancel culture as the new head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right, so Urban has operated, and Mike Florio, Pro Football Talk, did a nice job explaining this difference, this new world Urban's in as an NFL head coach as opposed to a college head coach. But I want to take it a little deeper. Uh, Urban hired as his strength coach, Chris Doyle. Chris Doyle was a strength coach at Iowa for years and years and years, and he was believed to be one of the best in the business. Iowa's churning out pros like like crazy. You know, Iowa's always churning out pros, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, linebackers, tight ends. That's their strength, okay? Occasional occasional other player, but those are their four strengths. All right, so Chris Doyle's a big part of that. And they were great at taking three-star recruits and winning a lot of Big Ten games with three-star recruits. Okay, so uh, George Floyd dies in an altercation with police in Minneapolis, and the whole country blows up, and everybody's questioning every single thing, and Anybody who's ever said anything, it could be remotely construed as um, hurtful, demanding, insensitive, fill in any array of adjectives you want to, uh, is called upon the carpet at a time where America's sensitivity to race and things of race is heightened. Okay, so Chris Doyle gets caught in that web, gets caught in that um, um, examination. Because some uh, uh, African-American Iowa players say, hey, you know, uh, Chris uh, Doyle and Kirk Ferentz and his son Brian Ferentz, they were like really hard on us and they didn't want us to wear our hair a certain way and they didn't want us to listen to rap music in the locker room and they didn't want us to wear hoodies and, you know, they required us to like, you know, in their opinion, sit up straight and fly right. They had an Iowa way and we're African-American and we didn't fit the Iowa way and they were on our case. Okay, I don't doubt that. I also know that's how football was coached in the 70s, 80s, and 90s everywhere. It just was, okay? So here's the thing. Um, I look today. 
Chris Doyle got hired by Urban, and there's this outcry. Oh, this Chris Doyle. So Iowa does this investigation of their football program, and they hire an independent firm to do this investigation. Now, I'm not saying these guys weren't right to think what they thought. They're perfectly your individual opinion and your individual reactions are just that. They're individual. They're, I'm sure they have validity. I was looking for, in the findings of this group, something egregious by Chris Doyle or Kirk Ferentz. And there's no enumeration of that. None. It's like, well, the players felt uncomfortable. Well, I guarantee you, folks, players who play for Nick Saban and Urban Meyer feel uncomfortable. They just do. Players who played for Woody and Joe Paterno and Bear Bryant felt uncomfortable. Yeah, I know those guys coached 30 years ago, and these other guys coach now. And I know coaching's evolving, and Dabo Sweeney coaches different, Ryan Day coaches different. That's just part of the natural evolution of football and reaching players. But what I know is Kirk Ferentz wouldn't have won as many games as he did at Iowa and wouldn't have produced the number of great African-American players that he produced at Iowa if he was a bad football coach or if he didn't care about getting the most out of kids. Are kids like are, are student athletes in college easy to coax the most out of? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, no. And coaches who are highly motivated individuals to win and achieve, whether they're position coaches or head coaches or strength coaches, they're going to make demands of players, and they're oftentimes going to make guys uncomfortable. Okay. So you just know, think Bob Knight didn't make guys uncomfortable? I mean... Yeah, he did, okay? Do I sanction how he coached guys? Not always, but there are a lot of guys who'd vouch for him, okay? So this is a this is mostly a collision of old school and new school. It's mostly what this is. Because I would submit to you that my viewpoint of this is if Chris Doyle, as a strength coach at Iowa, did something documented that was racially insensitive or against the um, standards of the University of Iowa, Chris Doyle wouldn't have walked away with a $1.1 million settlement from Iowa. They wanted out of the contract because he he was the landing spot for a lot of the stink that African-American players wanted to level toward the program. Somebody had to go to make it feel like, seem like, Okay, we did something. We hear you, and we did something. I get that, and Chris Doyle gets that. But Chris Doyle wasn't going without Iowa paying him for him being the guy to fall on the sword. So they did. So what does that tell me is that eh, if he wanted to fight it, he probably could have stayed. But he quit for the benefit of the program, probably out of his friendship for Kirk Ferentz. I don't know Chris Doyle at all. Not at all. I'm not defending him. Because he's white or because I got some, you know, crazy good relationship with Kirk Ferentz or anybody at Iowa. I don't. I just don't like to see guys who I think are just doing what a lot of coaches do get picked on and singled out because, well, George Floyd died in Minneapolis and that's wrong. And so have I ever seen evidence of that in my life? Yeah. When I played for Iowa – you know, they were on me all the time, and they wanted me to, like, you know, they wanted me to to tuck my shirt in. They wanted me not to wear a hoodie, and they wanted me to not play rap music. Okay, that's kind of stupid that they did that. I'll grant you that. Has nothing to do with how you play football. But is that is that, like, really, like, it reminds me of this thing with Chris Harrison of The Bachelor, the host of The Bachelor. 
he he defended some bachelorette who went to an antebellum fraternity party in 2018. Okay, now we all know 20, 2021. If you say, hey, I'm going to an antebellum party, people probably go, mm, I don't know if I'd do that. If word gets out, I could land on you and I could look bad. And that was all Chris Harrison said. He said, yeah, she went in 2018. Like, I don't know, 2018, was that a big deal? 2021, probably no better. That was, a base, that was basically what he said. And there's this huge outcry from people. Now, here's what I would say. I understand the antebellum thing now is not cool, not kosher, not appropriate. I also understand that's an era of American history that happened. And if we're going to go back and police every single thing in American history by the standards now, then we might as well not have a history. We might as well not have a history. Let's knock down every statue. Let's knock down. Let's just burn every history book. And there are people who want to do that. I am not one of those people because I think we learn from history. And so Chris Harrison's now out as as uh, host of The Bachelor, which here's what I come down on with that. And here's what I come down on with Chris Doyle at Iowa is if your life is such that something Chris Harrison said or something a girl did by going to a party three years ago really harms you so deeply that you have to... Um, celebrate their demise, I would just say you've really led a blessed life. You've, you've probably never really encountered any true adversity. You've probably never had anybody next to you die, never had anybody die unexpectedly. You've never had any, anybody betray you. You've never, I mean, really, if that is what offends you, if that is what harms you, and that's the word I hear, that harms me. No, I don't think it really harms you. I think the whole idea of it more than anything and the gotcha factor is more what you're reacting to. So Urban's caught in this, right? Urban's caught in this with the Jags because he hired Chris Doyle. And now people go, oh, Chris Doyle. Oh, he did this horrible, terrible, awful, very bad thing at Iowa. They forced him out. They don't focus on the fact that, well, why did they give Chris Doyle a million bucks? If he's really guilty, you know, um, they're not giving guys who are proven racists a million bucks to walk away, nor should they. So as it concerns... Urban and Chris Doyle, Urban found out that he doesn't have as much autonomy with an NFL job as he did in college. And he'll go, f- and Chris Doyle resigned. He didn't fire Chris Doyle. He, Chris Doyle resigned, which he did Urban a solid because if Urban was going to stick with him, and I think that would have been a hard decision for Urban is like, well, I, I knew about the Iowa stuff, which such as whatever the stuff was, and um, I hired him anyway. And I don't, I'm not surprised Urban hired him because he got, I don't want to say he got away with it. He just did what he wanted to do as a college coach. He did what he wanted to do. He was the, he was the pretty much sole arbiter of stuff. In the NFL, you got a lot more agendas, a lot more things happening and all that stuff. So that's where we are. Um, I wish Urban well. I think it's great that Urban's back in football. I know Urban cares about developing people, and I think he'll do a really good job with the Jaguars. And um, I don't like cancel culture. I don't like it. I'm really fortunate that I've gotten to a point in my life where I think I'm pretty immune from it. Um, I work for a great company that wants to stand for truth. And most often, well, I can't say that. Uh, I would say sometimes 
people who get canceled, um, it's more a, it's more a game people play than a real, true, authentic motivation. The the consequences often don't match the incident, and I hate that. It's just I hate that. I just think you know I'm a I'm a let other people alone kind of person. Let me live my life. Let me make my own choices. Let me suffer the consequences for my own choices, and we go we go on. So that's where I'm at with that. Okay. So uh, with all that, let me remind you that um, my official attorney firm is Willis Spangler Starling. We're talking about cancel culture. That's probably you know that's something that uh, a lot of attorneys make uh, spend a lot of time on is cancel culture. Uh, my good friends at Willis Spangler Starling are phenomenal at workers' comp, personal injury, wills, estate planning, probate, employment law. They have uh, dedicated their firm to maintaining the focus that anytime you walk in the door and anytime you're either part of a legal action or pressing a legal action, it is such an out of the box experience for the typical person. I've sat on a witness stand a time or two testifying about things I wrote in news stories back before I was a sports writer. And I'm, you know, I wasn't the party of the la- action or the uh, actionable recipient of the action. It's intimidating sitting on a witness stand, giving a deposition. It's intimidating. So Willis Spangle Starling will walk you through that and they will try to keep you uh, sane through the process. And I just love people who have an expertise and find a way to turn their expertise into a profession and their profession into a way to serve others. That's why Willis Spangler Starling, and I know the partners, so I've got a little inside info there, is I understand what their heart is. And as I say all the time, I only deal with good people, and they're really good people. So willisattorneys.com, willisattorneys.com is the website. And you can find them on Twitter at Spangler Willis. A lot of videos. You'll get to know them better, and I think you'll be comfortable with calling them should you ever have a need for uh, a legal matter. All right. Thanks to uh, Ray and Winston for sending affirming uh, Facebook messages. I really do appreciate that, gentlemen. Appreciate you watching and catching the podcast here a little bit later than it normally comes on. Uh, I like to label this is the faith portion of the podcast because people might wonder what this guy talking about faith for on a sports podcast. Okay. Uh, I'm a big fan, as I've come to know uh, some of the Salem Media Network hosts in my job at 989 The Answer. I'm a big fan of Dennis Prager. If you don't know Dennis Prager, look him up online, DennisPrager.com. If you are someone who prizes the great history of America and you prize wisdom, Dennis Prager is someone who I believe you would benefit knowing through his um, uncanny ability to assess culture through the eyes of someone gifted with analysis, and reason. Those are elements of wisdom. Dennis is not a evangelical Christian. Dennis is uh, a Jew who esteems the Bible, and in particular, uh, as a Jew, the Old Testament, and books of the Old Testament, like uh, the first five books of the Old Testament in particular, which is uh, common to all Jews. And Also, I believe Dennis probably prizes the book of Proverbs because a lot of the things that he says are quoted directly in, if not demonstrated in the pages of other books of the Bible. So 
One of the things that I heard Dennis talk about recently was a verse that he said he recited every day as a kindergartner, first grader, and second grader at his Jewish school, which is, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, but fools despise knowledge and understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, uh, but fools despise knowledge and understanding. Discipline and understanding, I'm sorry. Um, and I think that's true. I know that's true, in fact. And he said today on a uh, video that I was watching, he said, there are knowledgeable people who are godless, but there are no wise people who are godless. Yes, there is a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Wisdom, uh, well, where does it begin? What's the verse I just quoted? Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So what does that mean? That means that you have to fear the Lord in a sense of you have to be in awe of him. You have to be uh, amazed by his sovereignty over your life. The Bible is a book that most people dismiss who are not Christians because they say that it is, I've heard often, fables or it's just the writings of men. The Bible is actually also, not also, Bible is not that, so it's not also. The Bible is a historically accurate record of time pre the birth of Christ and post the birth of Christ. It is a historically accurate document. The stories in the Bible, the people in the Bible are documented in history. King Solomon, King David, Abraham, Isaiah, Jesus, Paul, Peter. And I got to thinking about that and how I can reason with, because the book of Acts talks about Paul going around to the various churches at that time, and we're talking about a radical time in the development of the church. The Jews were born uh, and were looking forward to the birth of Christ for thousands of years and had their Jewish law, the Ten Commandments, which then were the Ten Commandments were given by God to Moses on Mount Sinai when the children of Israel were uh, had been liberated from Egypt and were heading toward the Promised Land. But then, as often happens, men get their own perceptions of adding addendums and things to the law, and the law ends up not with Ten Commandments, but with 600 and some things that you had to do and keep which made it impossible to do. It's impossible to keep Ten Commandments, let alone 660 other things added on to it. Okay. So, where am I going with that? Okay, so, we know that the Bible is historically accurate. All these people live. We also have other aspects of history that are non-biblical, right? We have the history of Genghis Khan. We have the history of Alexander the Great. We have the history of the Roman Empire and orgies and crucifixions and uh, uh, gladiators, and we have the history of Nazi Germany and Pol Pot and Joseph Stalin, and we have the history of uh, 9-11. So what can we draw from history to give us a fair representation of what man is like in his own nature. How does something like the Holocaust happen? 
How does something like Genghis Khan happen? How does something like the Twin Towers happen? It happens because people have, and Stalin demonstrated this, as is every dictator, as did Castro, as did Pol Pot, as did Idi Amin, is that our desire, if we would be left to our own devices, is to erase our enemies and impose our will on other people. Now, what does that illustrate about mankind? Mankind is probably tilts toward, leans toward, falls toward evil. Right? Our inclination is toward evil. Now, we do have people who battle the forces of evil. We have America after being attacked uh, unjustifiably at Pearl Harbor, entering World War II, liberating Europe. We have America going after Islamic terrorism after 9-11. We have other instances in the world of good people coming to the aid of people who are under attack. So for those who do not believe in God... I would say to you, well, if the nature of man is evil, and I, we have untold examples of it being evil, if that is the nature of man, then if you deny the existence of God, how do you explain the existence of good? And how do you explain the existence of people who are willing to push back against evil? And you can say, well, there are good people and there are evil people. No, really, no. There are people, and evil results from those who are more willing to embrace their base tendencies. We all have them. We all have thoughts, right? We don't act on those thoughts. What stops us? Well, something good in the universe stops us, some force for good, some inherent um call to be good. So I think, though I may not be able to convince you of Jesus on the cross in this particular podcast, I think if you really ponder the nature of man, good and evil, you would have to agree that there are so many instances of evil in the world, and yet, thankfully, there are enough times where good has pushed back against that evil. Sometimes it's taken a long time, But I would ask you to consider your denial of the existence of God in that if there is no God, then where does the good come from? What is prompting the good? What is feeding and fueling the good? What is doing that? And I would think you have to come to the logical conclusion that there has to be a force for good in the universe. And that force, that prompter of good, that inducement to be good, that motivation to push back against evil has to come from a good and holy God. And that the essence of that force, that being, that God, has to be goodness and love and light to combat darkness and evil and harm. And that is the essence of the verse that Dennis Prager shared and that I shared, which is the fear of the Lord, the acknowledgement 
of God, the acknowledgement of a force for good, is the beginning, beginning of wisdom. Lots of room for growth on the back end of that wisdom. Lots of space to fill in, lots of understanding to go with it. But I find the most frustrating (laughs) conclusion people draw are atheists, that there's just no God. you got to be kidding me. Like The nature of man tells you that there has to be good in the universe, because if there wasn't, if evil was left unchecked and rampant, then you wouldn't live very long. You wouldn't be able to, like, function in the world. Everybody would, why do you obey traffic laws? Why do you not cheat on your wife? Why do you not do this, that, the other? When you have a respect for order, you have a, and all of that stems from good. All of that stems for good because our nature is to just, no, I want my way. I want to get there first. I want to do this. I want that. I want that person. I want this person. I want you to do what I want to do. All of that is our sinful nature. Thankfully, we serve a God who provides a way to cover that sinful nature and be acceptable in his sight. And that, of course, is Jesus Christ, and that is, of course, what he did at the cross. And so... Uh, I've talked about that many, many times on the podcast, but I wanted to try to get those of you who still deny the existence of God to come at it from a different pathway in that if you're not going to believe, as I emphasize almost every podcast, that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he came to die for your sins and all you need to do is accept that and allow him to change you from the inside out once you understand what you've been forgiven of, your motivation to be obedient to him will come from your gratitude not your own power, not your own force, not your own discipline. All of those are things and themes that I emphasize a lot. But I thought it was an interesting way to approach the existence of God is to acknowledge, as I can't even fathom anyone would not be able to do, acknowledge the existence of evil in the world and that our inclination is initially toward evil. So the reason why evil doesn't abound is because there has to be force for good. What is that force? It is the one true God of the universe. So with that, I will leave you on this President's Day. I am grateful that I was born in America and that we had great men like George Washington and Abraham Lincoln and Thomas Jefferson and others. I'm reading a book right now about did America have a Christian founding? The answer is yes. We were not founded by deists who thought God allowed us to have a country and then just stood back and said, all right, whatever happens, happens. So um, I celebrate President's Day of the great men. I'm glad for a day off. I'm glad for a day with my family. I'm glad I had this time with you. Hope you have a great week. Talk to you again on Wednesday when we'll be getting ready for Ohio State and Penn State on Thursday night. And if you're interested in more on the Buckeyes and uh, a possible guest appearance by Jim Lachey, check out the Press Pros Magazine Monday Night Huddle tonight. You'll find details for that on the Press Pros Magazine Facebook page and on our Twitter site at Press Pros Mag. Till next time, everybody have a great day. God bless.